All right, so it looks like we're live, but hey, what's going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario. Welcome to Mod Chat. We are on episode 29, and it is June of 2017 that we're airing this, or uh, if you're listening to it, if you're listening or watching the pre-recorded version of it, or after stream version, whatever it is, and uh, who am I joined with here today? Uh, Kiwi Dog, long time modder. <laughs> That's a good way to summarize yourself. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, how, how you doing, man? Uh, doing all right. Pretty much just working every day and uh, still modding various stuff. Uh, still doing game mods and uh, tweaks and stuff like that for PC games now. But like otherwise, yeah, life's been good. All right. All right. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I've actually been working on several hardware related things here, not developing anything crazy, but uh, mostly just like older stuff. Like I was doing a few 360 things, which there's going to be videos coming up here soon. And then uh, also several um, PS2 things as well. And right at the beginning, Mod Shop, thank you for your donation. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, I think we're good here. Aside from that, um, people might be wondering why we have a guest but not a co-host unfortunately daniel was not able to make it um he let me know a few hours ago and it's just it's nothing horrible but it is some personal stuff so i was just like hey you know what show still needs to go on i want to respect uh, kiwi's time here and kiwi thank you for coming on but i didn't want to do a whole rearrangement of time here yeah no problem yeah no problem at all yeah. Anyways, aside from that, though, we do. So, Kiwi, you're kind of going from you're you're our guest, but you're also uh, doing this co-host role. Are you are you are you ready for this? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. Okay, that definitely sounds like the voice of someone who's ready. <laughs> yeah. So, right here, we do have some fun things to talk about. Um, one of the things, though, that actually isn't on our list that we pre-make and such is um, I want to talk about this. This is more of a community-specific thing. Um, now, as many people know, um, in case you don't know, uh, I had you as a person watching or listening, or even you, Kiwi, but I'm sure you know about this. Um, I came to kind of my rise in YouTube popularity, I guess, through Xbox 360 modding. Um, and one of my very good, even best friends that I've met through here, and we remain very good friends, um, is Johnny Guns, who made, hands down, the best Xbox 360-related tutorials. If you're going to look them up right now, you're probably going to be disappointed and find there's a few videos that I have that are unboxing of his stuff, um, but there's no videos from him, really, on Xbox 360 stuff anymore. And he had done a video recently called, um, in short, it was Goodbye Xbox. Now, Kiwi, you did not see this at the time because you were busy, right? Yeah, I haven't gotten to uh, watch it all. I watched like the first few minutes. Gotcha. So in short, I can kind of summarize it. And I'd encourage you all to watch as well, too. It was a very, it was a raw video. It was emotional, um, not in like a sad way, I guess sad if you're if it's sad to you that he's not doing this but in short you know he kind of did a rant video for about 12 minutes and said guys you all have been wanting xbox 360 stuff you all have been wondering where it is uh i'm not doing 360s anymore i don't touch 360s i have no interest in 360s i was never a true modder um it was something i was interested in i was interested in repair i was interested in mods but this channel is of my interests. I have other things I'm interested in, and I use this as my conglomerate for whatever the fuck I'm interested in gets uploaded here. Um, the only thing I really like personally disagreed with him on um, is that he did end up, he had several, as I said, several 360 related videos, and he ended up either privating or unlisted quite a bit of them. 
Um, and I guess as a YouTuber, I can understand because he doesn't want to associate his brand, so to speak, and his image with that anymore because it's been several years since he's done 360 stuff. Um, and you're always going to have people asking you, like even I myself, I have people who watch five-year-old videos of mine and they'll come to the latest comment section of the latest video and be like, hey, how do you do this obscure thing right here? Um, and he just doesn't want that. But I would say it was it was definitely a fun ride while it lasts. I still absolutely respect him as a person, as a video content creator. I respected his, his decision despite me disagreeing with that there at a personal level. Um, but I think it's also a, a really big it's a disappointment that we just don't have, you know, those those videos now available. Um, because even though they were old, um, it would have been nice if they were just like, I don't know, archived at another place. Uh, but they were hands down like the best hardware reference tutorials for that, even if they were older exploits. So, Johnny, just just saying here, we we love you. Oh, sweet. Th thank you for that link, Kiwi. I appreciate it. Oh wait, whoops. Oh, no, you sent it here. It's fine. Okay. That's, the, that's the right thing I'm looking at. Oh, no, yeah, d different link, but still. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's get on to one of the topics here, and this is um, these takedowns that Take Two has been doing. So, Kiwi, do you, how much do you know about this? Uh, I'm pretty, pretty well into it because a lot of my friends uh, did GTA mods. So... What ended up happening was GTA Online uh, on consoles and PC, but primarily PC, have had uh, malicious modders come in and create mod mages and stuff to cheat on GTA Online uh, with like giving uh, free money, unlocking cars, spawning, teleporting people, crashing them. It's been an ongoing problem since uh, GTA Online pretty much has come out. Uh, but roll down couple years down the line um take two sends a cease and desist to open open iv open four which uh is a rage engine modding tool for like various grand theft autos it's been around for like, over around 10 years it's one of the two 10 years i want to say okay yeah it's probably been over 10 years and these mods that happen uh throughout like this tool are not to be used online um it, i haven't used it for grand theft auto 5 but for 4 if you were to join the online portion it would kick you back saying like dirty files or put you uh into a session all on your own um and but with G the difference between GTA 4 and GTA 5 is the whole monetization of the online portion, uh, which it's it's any in a very gray area. Definitely for mods that like encourage cheating online, like there was some uh, pay for mod menus in uh, scripts that you could pay for that would allow you to cheat online, um, but. Take two went after OpenIV, which is pretty much specifically for single player mods only. This left pretty much the entire PC community upset um, because Take Two Interactive, Rockstar's publisher, took aim and fired at the wrong tool. So even though Open Open Four got 
cease and desist and the developer said that he was going to pretty much stop uh stop releasing updates and things like that that it didn't solve any of the online cheating problems and then it was kind of a series of unfortunate events the gun running dlc came out as well uh for gta and there was more cheaters on gta online uh throughout that first like few days or so than i've seen pretty much in the entire like entirety of playing gta online uh on pc at least and it didn't really do anything solve it so then a couple of days later uh we see that uh two popular cheating sites for cheating on gta online specifically that's what it does it drops money spawns vehicles it's made for cheating on gta online got cease and desist as well this cut off the main stream oh i just want to pay for a cheat and use it uh but it was kind of a little bit too late because now all those cheats that were released still work on gta online currently until they push a new update um so that's kind of where we are now and uh, let's see as of i want to say two or three hours ago we actually got uh, uh, word that uh, Rockstar had reached out to the developers of Open 4 and were trying to communicate with them because uh, the the reviews on Steam just tanked for Grand Theft Auto 5 on PC because most people buy the PC version of Grand Theft Auto for modding. That's what they want to do with it. They bought it for that and in the past Rockstar has shown modded content on their front page uh that was created using open four so it was kind of ironic for take two to go above rockstar and just start cease and desisting uh this mod tool but it looks like rockstar has reached out to the developers and um as of about two or three hours ago open four is now available um to be downloaded again um so it seems like between Take Two and Rockstar, and then Rockstar and the developers of Open Four, that they work something out. I don't have uh, any real details on it uh, currently, but on GTA forums, that they're showing that there is a new update available, and that you can download it once again. So it looks it looks like they uh, worked something out recently, and also in the credits they they gave a special thanks to Rockstar Games. So it looks like Rockstar uh, talked to Take-Two uh, Interactive and worked something out with them uh, to allow Open 4 to continue operating. For sure. This is, and this is absolutely stellar news. I was surprised that it, um, really I was thinking, I, I guess I wasn't too surprised that it got reversed, but I was more surprised um, that it was reversed so swiftly like this. Um, because from what I know, uh, some people were dropping names of other menus. Um, I know of two like mod menu paid monetized services uh, they got taken down. And just to add the details on that, um, Open4, they did receive a cease and desist. Um, it's a gentleman in Russia, I believe, who's the main developer on there. And his debate on it was saying, you know, we don't believe this is illegal, what we're doing. Uh, we are using clean room code. 
Uh, we're not using any other exploits. We go out of our ways to ensure this does not touch the online portion and that you cannot modify online files with this. Um, and to answer your question as well too, that also extends out to Grand Theft Auto V. Um, so they were specifically only targeting single player and actually blocking out the multiplayer if you have modified files. Um, but they pretty much said, you know, we believe this is legal uh, to our understanding. We actually made sure this is legal within the Russian government, which is stricter than the U.S., it seems, for that, like with reverse engineering and such, um, I guess, in a way. But what happened was they said, you know, honestly, we just don't want to spend all the money and time and risk, you know, going broke fighting this. So we're going to pull down the download links. We're going to pull down support. We're going to cancel this. That's it. Um, so that's essentially what happened there. Um, but then as uh, Kiwi was saying, and I just found out about this because he linked it to me, but as of three hours ago, Open 4 is back online. So GTA modding is, is good again. Um, I think the only thing here, people have really, they disagreed with the Open 4 thing, and I, I feel good that they were able to reverse that decision. They as in Rockstar Games and Take-Two. Um, however, when it came to the paid services, at least uh, Daniel and I had discussed this on Mod Chat several times, we're for the most part against that um, because that was really just, those weren't even mods. I, I actually discussed this with one of my friends a few hours ago and when I explained to him, he's like, oh, those, those weren't mods, that's just cheating. And that was literally just paying to cheat online and really screw over the service. Um, I will say this, though, there, this was quoted from Rockstar Games. You could actually find this on their site. And it says, quote, Rockstar Games believes in responsible fan creativity and, in particular, wants creators to showcase their passion for our games. After decisions with Take-Two, Take-Two has agreed that it will ge that generally, uh, excuse me, that it generally will not take legal action against third-party projects involving Rockstar's PC games that are single-player non-commercial and respect the intellectual property rights of third parties this does not apply to one multiplayer or online services two tools files libraries or functions that could be used to impact multiplayer or online services or three use or importation of other ip including other rockstar ip in the project so the open four thing, I still, I kind of wanted to talk to you about this. Why do you, what speculation do you have that they targeted that specifically? Because as I said, that was one where they were explicitly making sure they used clean room code. They wanted it to be as clean and legal as possible. And they were keeping it offline, like explicitly keeping it offline. Um, and that was the one that everyone was upset about. Nobody's upset about it in general. They're just upset that, you know, a strictly offline tool was taken down. Uh, this is this is what I think happened in Take Two's legal team. They put GTA modding into Google, and cease and desist is the first thing that came up. That's I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> I think that's probably fair because even um, as Kiwi was saying, like Rockstar has not only they've been supportive, they have promoted mods several times, like several times over, you know, the past decade or two, um, specifically mods that have even been using Open4. And that's what a lot of people were citing too. They're like, well, hold on. This isn't because a lot of people at first said, fuck Rockstar. And it's like, no, 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 not, not Rockstar. It's Take-Two. Rockstar developed the game. It Take-Two is the publisher. Granted, they should be in sync and for some reason they're not. But Rockstar, the people that have developed the game, have openly pushed and promoted Open 4 mods so many times. So really, it just seemed like there was a desync right here. Um, I think even so, Rockstar, 
a day or two ago, they did issue a statement where they were saying that they were trying to, their statement was essentially, look guys, we're taking down mods that might interrupt or destroy or affect Grand Theft Auto in a negative way. And everyone fired back with, well, Open 4 didn't do that, so why is Open 4 still down? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was just Rockstar stalling because they were probably definitely still in talks with Take 2 at the time. So it, I, it seems like they were just stalling. Um trying to figure out what actually happened uh and and the thing about it is it's kind of like what happens with all of these large companies who have millions and billions of dollars to just throw at lawyers is open for was technically still legal um by law but the thing is nobody has the millions of dollars to go up against a company who can just make you run out of money so fast. Same thing happened with like Sony. Um, and in some cases, I won't say all in some cases where they were going after people where they just didn't have the money to fight, even though what they were doing is technically legal in lawsuits, they would just keep bringing the court over and over again. And the open four developer was just like, I don't want to deal with this. This is going to cost way too much money and pretty much uh, put his life in the toilet if he were to try to sit there and fight take two. Um, so that's why he shut down. Um, but in the in the overall sense, I think Rockstar was just stalling. They probably knew that Open 4 was going to be coming back, but they just needed to get it cleared with Take-Two's lawyers and their legal team first before they can actually issue it a statement, because this has been one of the weirdest, I want to say, modding-related cases, because normally when mods get taken down, that's it. Even if later on, um, down the line, that they find that these mods did nothing wrong or anything like that, it it's a done deal. It's over with. So to actually see Rockstar stand up for the community um, and talk to their publisher to get this resolved is actually like very interesting. And the amount of time it took, it hasn't taken, but it, it was all this week. Yeah. It's been about like a week, maybe a little bit more than a week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, one thing that was um, one thing that was I was thinking of here, even when you were talking about that, um, Kiwi. Have you heard of Bleem? Yeah. Um, are you yeah. how familiar uh, are you with it? It was the ability to play, uh, I think, PlayStation One games on the Dreamcast. Yeah. So they were, in short, summarizing it really quickly here, um, just for everyone who might not be as educated on it, which is totally fine. Um, they were released uh, i want to say late 90s very early 2000s um but they it was a playstation emulator that came out it was bleem on pc and bleem cast on the dreamcast and that's kind of what happened um first off they ended up reverse like they reverse engineered the playstation and they were actually i think they were using the playstation bios at first they took it to sony they were just like hey look we can play playstation games on a pc and sony was just like oh that's cool Nah, we're good. We're good. Just we're not going to do it. Um, but then they end up deciding to write their own code and they did it like clean room and all that stuff from what I know. Um, and in the end, you know, they're not using any Sony code. 
They're not using any stolen code. Like, it's all their own code to run PlayStation games. And at the time, it worked very well. The controversial thing with it was they were selling it. So that's something that's still a little bit iffy there. But point is, that was actually proven in a court of law that that emulator was legal. And the declaration they had state like that that was made on it was it's legal because it doesn't include any type of Sony software with it. Um, there's no BIOS. There's no games that are included with it. It is completely standalone software that plays PlayStation games, but doesn't have any of the code to run it. And a judge deemed it to be illegal. So even though this is legal. Bleem is gone. Bleem is done for. The company had to go bankrupt because that's what happened. Sony kept taking them to court and bled them of money. Again, proven. This was proven that this was a legal emulator and they got bled dry. So that's what this Russian guy was trying to avoid right here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm very happy it's back though. I actually do want to try it now, but I've, to be honest, I, I have the PC version of Grand Theft Auto V. I have never modded it. I, I need to, but I've never modded it. Yeah, it's it's, it's very easy. Open, I definitely got to give it to the developers uh, and people that help out Open 4 because making a mod tool is so complicated uh, and sophisticated in order to handle like the Rage engine is not a small feat. Uh, and, and it's very, very uh, exciting to see what they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, I think on here we have a uh, we have a few other things that we can discuss as well too. Um, let's see. So, Kiwi, have you looked into this uh, this Vantage tool at all? Yeah, I don't own an Xbox One, so it didn't. Uh, You're not missing out on much. Yeah, um, I don't own an Xbox One, so it didn't. Uh, but I did look at it. Uh, it, it it allows you to do game save modding for I think the only game was Call of Duty. Uh, yeah, yeah, the only one's called Modern Warfare Remaster. That's the only game that is available right now. Yeah, and um, I was interested in it because I know that the security on the Xbox One is a lot, lot tighter than it was on the 360. And after seeing uh, what the Vantage tool could do, it kind of made sense to me that the mods were only temporary and you had to reapply them every time. Um, so it's still very limited in what it can do. Um, but I'm interested to see how far they're able to push this uh, and if what is Microsoft's response going to be. So another thing as well, too, is this is actually, um, it has been updated, it looks like, if I'm looking at this correctly here, looks like it also supports Gears of War 4. Um, so Gears of War 4, Modern Warfare Remastered, and this is the description that I'm seeing on Cringing, the tech game, but it's it's there. Uh, let's see, the first Xbox One game save modding tool is finally out. After months of research and development, we're glad to give you the first taste of what it's like to mod games on your Xbox One. Uh, until further notice, only Xbox Play Anywhere games can be modded. See the full list here. I don't feel like registering or signing in right now. But it says it can access your saved game files without a flash drive, download and upload all your saves with the Storage Explorer, uh, mod Gears World 4 campaign saves, so that's it, and then create your own mods, editors, and share them with the community. So, interesting. Also, it looks like, thank you for uh, Poor Man Game Mania right here. He is saying that uh, the Modern Warfare Remastered is not working right now until they have it patched. So, Modern Warfare Remastered was working. I bet they're working on support right now, but Gears of War 4 campaign is the only other game that's active at the moment. 
Yeah, very limited, but... Everything uh, has to start somewhere, man. Everything. Yeah, it, it's it, it's good to see that people are trying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know, it seems, it, it seems interesting so far. I haven't given it a shot, like, my... I don't know. My my thing with the Xbox One is I'm just not I'm not that the, the interest for me is not there. I haven't. I know you don't own one, but I myself I I have a couple and like I haven't. I think the most I use my Xbox One for is Netflix when my Shield TV doesn't work for it. <laughs> I mean that's what I use my 364. Like once my live subscription went away and then I went full time PC gaming. Uh, that's all I use my 364. So. It's the 360 is a good Netflix machine. I've actually been using my 360 more recently because of one of few mods I've been doing to it, but uh, also, well, just the platform in general. But also, um, there's even a few games I'm playing right now. Like right now, I'm playing Through the Darkness, and I own the actual disc and everything, but I looked. It's not backwards compatible on Xbox One, so I'm like, well, have no reason to use my Xbox One. Let's play it on the 360. Mm hmm. Yeah. <sighs> sad. Sad. Uh, ne next up here, have you uh, actually Kiwi? You uh, you want to take this one? Uh, let's see. I believe I remember seeing this. <laughs> this one, I just oh yeah, uh, the <laughs> Super Mario jailbreaking Super Mario World to install a text <laughs> editor and mod loader. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember seeing this probably like uh, last week sometime. Uh, so, the guy who I watched originally do the credits warp, Seth Bling, he is now uh, back along with uh, Cooper, uh, what is it, Harrison? I believe his name was. Uh, was a. I'm looking through. Uh, yeah, Cooper. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, he found a save corruption glitch. Uh, and because they already had code execution um, to like do the credits warp and everything like that, um, that between the two of them, they were able to make uh, figure out where the game save stuff was and write an actual mod loader uh, to the third slot of uh, the cartridge, which I believe there's only normally two slots. Um, I'm not really. I thought there was three save slots. I wasn't sure. There, there might be three. I only remember seeing two, but my that I was so the first years. one. So didn't really affect me all too much. Yeah. 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 No. In short, this uh, you, you guys have seen like this big mess of characters and such right here. Kind of as is explained. Um, apparently, there is a way to install a jailbreak, and uh, <laughs> there, there's no like real. I guess. Kiwi, would would this be appropriately called a jailbreak? Um, that's been my big thing. I'm like, is this is that the appropriate term? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, that's what people call it now, but I guess. But really, there is no like security on the SNES or like jail that they had to break out of. Um. But I guess that's like what the popular term is for uh, loading your own code on startup. Mm -hmm. Somebody was saying here, um, yeah, well, Epic Martin was saying, I think he calls it a jailbreak for casual users. Yeah, that's that's true. I kind of, 
I, I just cringe with the term jailbreak law all the time because it's thrown around so often. I don't know. My my belief is the only things that can be jailbroken are iOS devices and PlayStation 3s because the guy who coined the term jailbreak uses that for those two items. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or platforms, technically. Yeah. yeah, and they actually had security to break out of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, or I guess it's, it's used on the PS4 side as well, too, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's a free BSD jail on the PS4 as well. Okay, so yeah, that that term's used there, which I can I can extend to that as well. But there's things I like when people say like jailbreaking the PSP. I'm like, no, it's custom firmware. Or like the the other day, there was I I, I love this guy. Don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not going to say his name, but this was this on Twitter. He is making a Xbox original Xbox mod tutorial, and he said it is a jailbreak tutorial. And I was just like, stop, no, that's not what it's called. No, just. Oh, oh yeah, OG and Xbox didn't have anything to break out of, really. <laughs> yeah, yep. And yeah, thank you, Shadow of the Colossus. Well, Shadow of Colossus, uh, correct term is arbitrary code execution. That's, yeah, that's what it is. But yeah, no, Super Mario Jailbreak. You can now install the actual Jailbreak to a cartridge itself, and it's literally using the game to write code to the cartridge with a certain exploit, and then you can end up writing a hex editor to it and mod up the game right there. Yeah, real-time and saves as well. I think it's absolutely fascinating. That's why I was just, like, smiling. That's all I could do, because I'm like, that's just, we're, we're, we're here now at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish more exploits and stuff like that could be made persistent. Mm-hmm. Um persistent like that i don't think i've seen quite as much persistence without like just fully software since probably like the og xbox or um there's one other one like the psp uh could also do it like with nothing but software so that's pretty that's pretty interesting oh you're saying just like modify it completely using software yeah, and then to have it like where you can t- cut off the power and turn it back on, and it saves there. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, most most exploits nowadays, like even for like the PS4, and I think the Vita had one leak that was persistent, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah no, the, the Vita does have that coming out where um, Hinkaku. So Hinkaku is already a thing on Vita, as people know, and then uh, Hinkaku Enzo, which we talked about in a previous episode, is going to be the cold boot version of that. Um, there was a version that was leaked. Don't grab it. Don't grab it. That's all I'll say. Just don't grab it. Um, yeah. But it's coming out at the end of July. That's the slated release. And apparently, from what I read somewhere, it does patch the MBR on the Vita. Um, so that's how it's able to. And it's able to modify it in a way so that way when you just boot up the Vita, you have it on cold boot. Yeah. I might actually try to get a Vita if, when, if and when that comes out. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you're when you're talking, oh, oh, and by the way, if you tip on that, which I didn't really think too much of, but um, apparently, any brand new Vita is exploitable. So get a brand new Vita if you want to be sure. <laughs> yeah, um, just because it has to be on firmware three point six, and none of them have been updated past that off the assembly line. Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of that, though, because you were saying uh, you were talking about, you know, the, those systems being like some of the only ones that are just limited with software. You could like turn it off, turn it back on. Um, there's actually another one that we could add in there, which would be the 3DS and the recent uh, official release of SIG Hacks with a uh, boot nine strap. Now, Kiwi, have you looked into this at all? 
I I have, but I've only been loosely following the entire 3DS scene. That's another console I don't own. Um, but I I've definitely like looked at like Smeelum's work and uh, Yellow's work and everything like that. And I, I have that appreciation for it, especially when they did their uh uh what's it their C three talks. Yeah, it, it's you, it, it's it's wild. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen I've seen all of them. Um, I think the last one I was kind of in a rush, so I like skipped through parts of it, but I I got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is now the new standard. So previously we had ARM9 loader hacks, which was able to use the uh, um, an exploit found in ARM9 on the 3DS, and then end up uh, you know getting the console to boot a modified firmware and such and patch it. And now at this point, in short, so we did have complete. I, I guess Kiwi, since you're more technical than me, I think you'd explain it a little bit better. I just know that with ARM9 loader hacks, we did have full access to the system, or at least we thought we did, but now we have like 100% complete ponage full access to the system. Yeah, so, okay, the way that I would explain it is uh, in, in the case of the previous ARM9 loader, is that we had complete control over the system, except for, I think, the bootloaders. Um, and what this new one came out, uh, the Boot 9 strap, is uh, modifying the bootloader itself and getting the console to boot with a uh, modded bootloader, which is pretty much the equivalent uh, of the second half of like a 360 rebooter, where it would patch like the first loader um, and then each time the next stage would go, like the next loader would load, it would apply patches on the fly and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we now we have that fully available to us. And I know like one thing, for example, so even the install process is so much easier because like um, one big thing I've seen is now prior. So in short, every single 3DS family console is an... This light is kind of annoying me, but the sun's going down. It's doing funky stuff. I look like a partial angel now at this point. Point is, um, from what I know, uh, you know, prior to install ARM9 loader hacks, you still needed a exploit, like an entry point. You still need a kernel exploit as well, too, um, to then, you know, downgrade the system, do a few other things, um, which I know they've improved on that, but there was always still that point of entry that was needed. Um, I know one of the things that was always available to us... uh, was DSI, um, was DSIware, where I don't, so I don't fully understand it because I've never done this, but from what I see, you needed a console with ARM9 loader hacks, you needed a stock system, and you could essentially get a game that was a DSI game, uh, end up modifying it so that it was able to, you were able to use that as an entry point, and then do a system transfer over from the modded 3DS to the stock 3DS, modify that system, and then a week later transfer back over because you can only transfer your Nintendo network ID one week at a time. Um, and that was nice to have for sure. Um, but now the thing is, even with um, Boot 9 Strap, uh, you can use, you know, an entry point of some kind. So if you're on low enough firmware, which is 11.3 or below, um, you could use sound hacks. Uh, you could still do DSIware, but you could also hard mod on Annie as well, too. 
Um, so you can actually just modify the system that way. And it's the new standard is supposed to be cleaner. It's supposed to be better for developers as well too. End users like myself, we're probably not going to notice that much of a difference. Um, but I've updated my systems on it and it's, it's nice. It's nice so far. Yeah. Complete ownage of the console. Yep. Uh, that and, is and the thing is the 3D, 3DS does so much more. I haven't had uh, the last Nintendo console I had was just a regular like DS Lite. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I'm glad to have seen it come so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome now. I actually, um, I ended up picking up a, uh, a 3DS recently uh, that is going, hopefully he doesn't listen, but uh, I'm, but I picked it up for a friend and uh, thankfully it's on firmware 11. So um, I actually, Right now, I'm just holding on to it, um, and I'll be modding it in a bit at one point. But uh, one of my friends who I've had on here, Devin, um, I actually he's he's been into the 3DS scene, and I just hit him up. I was like, "Hey, when you because he he said he wants to try this, like he wants to know how how fast the process is from start to finish, from stock to fully modded." And I was just like, "Hey, you know, would you have some availability? You want to come over and mod this 3DS with me? Because I also want to see. Like, I'm not really in a big rush, but I want to see if it would take like 20, 30 minutes. Or I just want to see how easy it is to do now compared to when I first started doing it, where like we didn't even have R9 loader hacks. It was either gateway, which was easy, or uh, then you know using um, installing custom firmware with menu hacks on the actual system as an entry point of some kind. Uh, then going to R9 loader hacks, where we actually had to you know downgrade and get the OTP file, and then end up building our own, um, I think our own payload or something, and then updating the system and doing all that other fun stuff. That's a nice thing too. We no longer need the OTP file anymore because um, now Boot9 Strap will just give us complete access to the system. And if we want to on command, we can have it dump everything, including the OTP file, whenever we want to. Um, it's just we probably won't <laughs> need that, but it's nice that we can do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Fun. Uh, yeah. So that that's about all I have for topics on here. Um, but th there's there's one big thing that's in the title, and this is this um this homebrew Xbox Live project, which it was several months ago. Um, Daniel and I had done a episode where we had talked about it. Um, Kiwi, do you, do you remember how long ago that was? I know it was this year, but I know it was at yeah, least it was four it, It's definitely probably a month ago. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who might be wondering who has questions, whether they're technical or whether they're general, you know, please drop them down. The chat will be talking about that. I've talked with um, the, the people who've worked on this um, a few times as well, too. And uh, but because of that, I'm also going to be asking probably some kind of lower level newbie questions um, just so, you know, we can get some basis just to clarify a few things for anybody who's listening, you know, after the show is not live. Uh, so I guess I'll kind of hand over the reins to you, Kiwi. What what do we need to know about this? Like an introduction, where it's at, whatever it is. Okay, so a while ago uh, on Reddit, there was a post of a guy recreating Xbox Live for the original Xbox. Uh, he showed video of the Xbox like testing connection and that he was getting sign-in working. Um that person had to drop the project uh, in order uh, to go work at a company uh, because it would have been a conflict of interest. Um, so he kind of turned over the project to me, but as I'm still doing schoolwork and I have a bunch of other projects that I couldn't work on the project either, 
Um, so it got turned over once again to a uh, development team that will be working on it. Um, I don't have too much information on that, um, but it is a possibility that the project may not um, be able to come out for the public anytime soon. Um, I personally don't have too many updates uh, on it as I'm not involved with the uh, process anymore uh, because I'll also be starting a full-time job, school, and everything like that. So I just don't have time uh, to work on it. But I really don't have any uh, new information other than the project is pretty much in limbo uh, from here on out. So I guess on that, so I know that the, <laughs> that's kind of a, uh, almost sounds a little bit disappointing on there, but I know there's a little bit of a uh, background on that. Um, kind of just to bring it in perspective, because I showed the, uh, I just showed the uh, image from Reddit on screen. Um, but I guess starting out there at the basis, I mean, how did it get to that point and what had to be done? Because we saw the actual like login from the dashboard was working. Yeah, um, so pretty much the guy who was originally working on it had been working on it for probably about six months to a year uh, in private. And uh, he, he did everything just from dumping the files from his retail and just reverse engineering them. He's a really great reverse engineer. Um, and just over the months kept trying stuff, kept trying stuff and building it slowly and surely. And then that's when the image made it to Reddit because somebody uh, that he was friends with on Facebook took it without his permission and then it created this whole firestorm on Reddit. Um, and it kind of exploded way faster than uh, they were expecting it, especially because People were telling him, oh, well, you should just make it open source and all this and all that. But the thing is, for how much reverse engineering and time that he put into that, um, I don't think he was willing to just let it go. And also, on top of that, even if he did let the source go and make it open source, it would cause two issues. One, there would be 50 million clones and there would be no unity between the networks. And two, at the stage that it was in, uh, when we last saw the update on Reddit uh, and Assembler and things like that, that there was still a lot of work to be done. And the majority of people would not have been able to help with that at all. Um, if you have the technical know-how and the time and the energy to uh, continue on that project, you could have gotten to this point already on your own. Um, so it was kind of one of those things where even if it was open source, um, there would probably be no one to continue that work anyway. Um, so that's one thing about it. And then the second thing about it is because this work is uh, kind of closely guarded, the, the second issue was uh, apparently, according to the original author, there is a possibility that it could be adapted to work on Xbox 360s, which Xbox Live for 360s is still in service. 
Um, so then that could also lead it into a weird legal issue uh, with Microsoft, which no one wants to have that. So that's kind of kind of where where that left off. Just a lot of lot of coffee and a lot of reverse engineering led up to that point. Yeah, and I, I was gonna say on your second point as well too. Um, I know I'd heard about that. It was mentioned in that post where if you make it open source, because I think he was kind of estimating. He's like, yeah, if we have the right person on this this open source, you can adapt it to 360. And um, just to specify on there, and I'm just specifying, you meant like 360 Xbox Live, not it working yes. on the 360, right? Yes, 360 Xbox Live. Okay. Because I know with this, the the pipe dream was to have it working on the original Xbox and on the Xbox 360, both on modified and non-modified systems. Yeah, so the way that it would have worked on an Xbox 360 using that original Xbox emulator, um, it would have worked the same way, but it would not have worked for Xbox 360 Live, so like Halo 3 and things like that. Um, it wouldn't have been up to that standard. But with some tweaking, once it uh, once the Homebrew Xbox Live finally came out, if it was open source, with some few tweaks and differences in between the consoles, you could get the Xbox 360 online portion working with this as well, which uh, the original author wanted to avoid. Mm-hmm. So on there then with um, actually here's here's an interesting thing because you know I'm sure you know from E3 recently it was announced that um, original Xbox backwards compatibility support is going to be coming on uh, to the Xbox One and uh, even though we know that original Xbox Live has been dead and gone for the longest they were saying that you can do system link between all generations like you could play an original Xbox game on a Xbox Xbox One or Xbox 360. And you'll be able to play with different, like with with one another on there. Um, so I guess on that, it might be, I don't know, it might might be way too early on here. But would it be a possibility that if this is fully up and running, that it would also be running on compatible Xbox, like original Xbox games on the Xbox One? Uh, I, it would depend, I guess, if the Xbox One's version of the emulator were to even have the support for the like Xbox Online uh, portions of it because the thing with 360 is is the original Xbox, Xbox Live was still up and you could play on your 360 on the original Xbox, Xbox Live. In the case of the Xbox One, the service has been dead for many years now. So they could get around the uh, a lot of the issues of uh, accessing live by just pretty much in in a simple word a simple term is just like commenting out all the code and make it return uh, a, like an error value so they didn't need to port over all that extra code and uh, knowing how Microsoft is going towards optimization I would doubt that they would go through the time and the effort to recreate and make sure that the emulator worked on the Xbox One for the Xbox Live portions when there is no Xbox Live at all. I actually, I didn't even think of that. That's a really good point there, because that would... Because, yeah, no, we did have it fully working on the 360, but, yeah, no, on Xbox One, since it's all still wrapped up in that emulator portion, there's no need to really bring over Xbox Live support. 
Um, even now, if you pop in a game there or something like Halo 2, for example, if you go to Xbox Live, it's just it's not going to work on there. Um, but I don't. So I, I guess with that, because I hadn't thought of that, but you'd probably agree that it would most likely not happen on the Xbox One. Yeah, just just for the number one reason, especially in cases of like games that have already gotten either 360 ports and are supported on the Xbox One or will be supported um, on the Xbox One directly, they aren't going to allow you to play Halo 2 online when they have Master Chief Collection out there. So that's another thing to look at. I don't believe that they will be adding support for games that already have 360 versions that run on the one or versions that they uh, somehow already have access to on the Xbox One. It just doesn't seem like a uh, reasonable uh, reasonable use of like time and effort. Right. I think on... I, I know with at least three, because I can't speak with original Xbox games right now just because there's none available that we could actually try and check out. Um, but on the 360 side of things, um, I'm trying to think, are there any... Do you know of any 360 games that have, like, that have also been remastered or remade on Xbox One that have actual Xbox Live support that's being supported on both versions? Uh, Battlefield. Battlefield? Battlefield. Uh, I believe... Oh, wait, actually... No, because that's no, only... Like uh, Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4, the 360 versions don't work on Xbox One. And then, like, Bad Company yeah. 1 and 2, those were 360 exclusives. Like, they didn't get remastered or made on it or ported. What about... Yeah, I... that is very interesting. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, Other than, like, oh, Halo, Halo actually... 3. Yeah, no. So, uh, someone was saying here, Gears of War, actually. The Gears of War games, I know the first Gears of War would still work on live. Um, even though remaster, the remastered version was made for Xbox One, but the backwards compatible version works. Um, Bioshock 2, when they remastered that, I don't know if they brought the multiplayer over. And I honestly don't even know if the servers are up. But I know even after they released the remastered version for Xbox One, they brought the backwards compatible 360 version over for some reason. I have no idea why. And um, this was this just speculation. By speculation, I mean like we saw it in a little preview like in a screenshot at the E3 Microsoft press conference. But I think Halo 3, if if that picture's right, Halo 3 should be a backwards compatible game we could hopefully see in the near future. And I know those servers are still up for 360. Yeah, but once again, I think because they have the Master Chief collection, I don't think that they're going to add live support. They may, they may not. I don't even know if they're... If, do we know if Halo 3 is going to be one of the... Uh, like backwards compatible games well that's what i was just mentioning right there like we don't have official confirmation of it the only type of thing we have is that there was a at one point there was a background screen at the e3 press conference that showed a bunch of backwards compatible games and halo 3 was just like right there okay and yeah battlefield 4 actually uh, to go back to the original point battlefield 4 did have a 360 and one release but you can't play the 360 version on the one Oh, yeah, you can't. No, that's what I was meaning. I was meaning like games that are available on the one, but they're also available on 360 as backwards compatible that you could play online with. Yeah, that yeah, that, that that's a very interesting list that they have there. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's strange for sure. I, I would I would think they would pretty much go for single player only games and games that aren't getting a remaster. They have like local multiplayer. And a lot of people, the thing is, a lot of people kind of forget about this too because a lot of people were saying, oh, imagine if they brought back, back Xbox Live and they brought Fusion Frenzy online and people were just like, guys, Fusion Frenzy came out before Xbox Live and never got a patch. How is that supposed to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, it never had. Like, the, the native Xbox Live support is just not there for that. It has System Link and local multiplayer. That's all it has. Yeah, unless the game developers, for whatever reason, wanted to go back and add support, I don't see that happening. Which, that sounds like it would be a really tedious task to go, because they, they'd probably have to dig up the original code. Yeah, or what they would do is just add in live support and then remaster it at the same time. Yeah, and then just release an actual Xbox One version instead of a original Xbox version. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of we, we kind of flirted with that idea, but going back to the um the homebrew Xbox Live service, I guess um in the end by the time this is all supposed to be, you know, imagine let's go into the future step in a little bit. It, the first actual working iteration release of the public, what would we expect to see? Um to be honest, uh well, that's that's to say if this project isn't completely dead in the water. Um, probably, I would guess, Halo 2 support first. Um, and then other people could start writing title servers for games that use like peer-to-peer networking. Uh, they could write title server support, which was what the original author wanted to uh, do. But another thing we have to realize is a lot of the games that people like playing use dedicated servers, which are game-specific as well, um, which would all have to be emulated. But yeah, if if there is a public release, it would probably be Halo 2 support first. Okay, and then I guess with that, if you're able to go into a bit of detail, how would that work? Like, how would we get the Halo Two support going? And like, I guess what would be what would be required to bring that on live on this service? Well, the original author was going to take care of most of that work. That's why it was going to be there. But to, for the actual community to write title servers, I'm personally not a hundred percent sure because it varies from game to game. Okay. But I know, I know Halo 2 was that big one that was talked about, because even when I'd, I'd spoken with the original author for a little bit, like he was mentioning that to me, that Halo 2 was going to be that big one. Um, was there going to be someone else who was going to be heading the title servers? Um, I think what the original plan was, was to um, release a, maybe the Halo 2 title server or some like fairly simple games title server as a template and then other people could go and reverse engineer other games that they wanted to add support for themselves and then build their own title servers uh, to hook up to like the homebrew Xbox Live. But as of right now, I, I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, haven't heard anything about the project for a bit. Would you be able to elaborate on, I guess, what would be needed on that title server in terms of like, because I'm thinking, you know, like there's probably going to be, you know, title updates that will be available out there. There's no way to get those latest title updates anymore. Um, DLC as well, too, if that'd be a possibility, whatever it is, you know, to get like. I I personally am not uh, 100% sure on that. Okay. But I I think that uh, there was like the store was available or you could uh 
uh, a lot of games had the downloader um, executables with them, so you could go to like a little mini store and buy it off of that. So I would guess that the title server would have to be able to support like that download protocol that was uh, there for like DLC title updates and different things like that. But I, I'm I'm not too familiar with that that part of it. Okay. I guess on there's too too for uh, just the service getting online and then compatibility. Would there would there be any issues with it with having to adapt it to work on the Xbox 360 with the original Xbox emulator on hand? I don't believe so because um, I think the original author uh, reverse engineered at least enough of it to know how those uh, like whatever was needed for connecting. Um, I think he figured out how that worked on 360 as well, and it's not too much different, or uh, it's just emulating the original Xbox. So I don't believe that there would be too much issue with that. Okay. And then I, I guess on there too, one thing I was wondering was um, when it comes to, you know, I guess getting in any sort of, I mean, I would just flat out say like any sort of, trouble with microsoft i guess what was the stance on that um before it was kind of just uh work on it as as progress needed but i don't believe that the author received like a cease and desist or anything like that that would prevent him from like like he was doing clean room reverse engineering um it to add support for the original xbox the I think the only big issue that was possibly seen would have been from the 360 side of things, as in 360 Xbox Live. Right, since that's still actively supported on technically two platforms, Xbox One and Xbox yeah. 360. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he had he had made a statement before saying, you know, like, we're not, this is clean room stuff. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that, but he was saying, you know, this is um, th this is my own code here, and if Microsoft wants to intervene and step in, I'll stop, but I'll keep continuing as needed on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you be able to detail anything about the team that's working on it now? Because I know you'd stepped in for a bit and worked on it, but you're also a busy guy who work on multiple projects. Then you had stepped back here kind of as what we said at the beginning of the interview. Right now, I am pretty much hands-off at this point. It's been uh, handed off, and I don't even get status updates anymore uh, at this point. At this point, I'm pretty much fully removed from it. Okay. Is there any place we can get status updates? Not until they're ready to come out. Okay. Because, like I said, even with the original posting on Reddit, like that was a leak. So mm -hmm. um, they're, they're just going to kind of do their work in silent. And I won't know uh, pretty much until it comes out and like until it comes out uh, at this point, if it comes out, because... Um, I don't interact with them uh, all that often. I just say, like, hi, what's up? But other than that, they could stop working on their project, and I wouldn't know. Okay, so I guess do you, do you possibly know the likelihood of, like, this coming out to fruition? Not really a date or anything, but just if we will see a release of some kind. I couldn't tell you. Okay. I, I wouldn't. I would. I would say wish for it, but don't get your hopes up. 
Okay. And I think that's what a, a lot of those original leaks were doing, like not only with, because um, I, I know it was posted on Assembler by the original author, like he went into more detail with it and showed a video that I had shown on the show here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that had happened on that was um, he was saying, you know, it was very early on, all that stuff. And um, it was just, you know, it was very um, immature at that stage because it was really just like yeah. logins that was going in. But I think even when I spoke with him a tiny bit before, he was saying, he's like, yeah, this was not supposed to be leaked out at all. There's not too much here. Yeah, uh, it was still very much in its infancy stages when the picture and the videos and everything got posted. I, it was pretty much almost, I want to say, a year of just reverse engineering in the spare time and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything, I mean, from that initial, from from the initial thing that we had seen, which the initial things I had seen, you know, it was that screenshot and that video that he'd shown, you know, on Wireshark and him logging in and everything and getting that test connection. Has there anything, has there been anything that's advanced further than that that you can elaborate on? Uh. I actually don't really know because I definitely know shortly after that uh, he said that uh, his new job would have been a conflict of interest so he was not going to be working on it anymore so uh, if uh, if there was any like work done in that short gap like that short period uh, I haven't gotten updated on it okay so we can assume for the most part that it's still at that infancy stage of a very specific setup to just get a login and a test connection going. Yeah, for right now, that's all the information we have. Okay. Well, cool. It's nice to at least, you know, have some solid information on there as opposed to that. And that's the thing, too. This has, like, admittedly, you know, that some of the answers have been just kind of disappointing on where they, um, you know, where things haven't gone or what might be happening or, you know, even the possibility of a release if that does or doesn't happen. Um, But I guess we at least get some more solid facts on here as opposed to really just the speculation that we had had before. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of, at least my head's kind of tapped out on questions right now. Um, But I definitely thank you for coming on here and, you know, spending some of your time to not only, you know, co-host with me, but be a guest on here and um, let me kind of pick your brain on this to the public. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I was, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) We, we, I mean, you've, you've been on here, this is your second time here, but even the first time you were pretty awesome guest. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't mind. (laughs) Well, we, we appreciate it. Daniel's here in spirit. But um, anyways, on here, I guess if anybody, so I kind of want to do this for a bit, about 20, 30 minutes, what we do at the end of each episode, we do our um, kind of, you know, user interaction area. Monchup, you get, geez, he donated again. Thank you. Like, you don't have to do that, but damn. Damn. <laughs> how, how much money did you waste on the Steam sale? So, <laughs> so far, $20. 20 bucks? Yeah, I got five games, 20 bucks, not bad. Okay. Would, I'll also say this real quick. If you have any questions, ask them right now for the next 20, 30 minutes. But um, what games do you get? Uh, let me see. Yeah, I, I myself, I actually, I've opened up Steam like twice. Uh, the, the problem is I have such a backlog of games, not only on PC, but all the platforms that I own. Um, like right now, I'm playing like I'm juggling like three different games. I'm juggling Mega Man Legends, The Darkness. Um, what was the other game? Uh, see, I'm forgetting one already. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, Twin Snakes, and I've kind of just paused Persona Five. Um, 
Right now, it's just been like, hey, I feel like playing this, so I pick it up off the shelf. That's been my thing recently. I guess I'm pl I play Mario Kart 8 when I work out, so I guess I'm doing that too. Uh, point is, on there though, um, no, it, I have so many things in my Steam library, and I've I've survived multiple sales to the point where I look, I'm like, oh, those are good deals. I have most of these, and that game, if I buy it, I'm really not going to play it. Yeah, so for me, I don't buy very many games anyway, and it's like when a game comes out, if I want it, then I buy it. Uh, I I've had a job now for a while, so it's like it's nice I having a job where you like when you first run into that money where you could like spend all things you want, right? Yeah. So like I I have every single game that I've wanted to like own, um, at least on Steam. Like there's some on Origin, some Frostbite titles that I keep every now and again when I want to play them. I got to pay to five dollars for Origin access, but for Steam, I pretty much own everything I want um, on Steam already, like throughout the years. But recently, I got uh, like what I just bought was LA Noir because I haven't played oh, that's that a one. Title. Yeah, I haven't played it. Uh, I got, I think it was like Killing Floor. Uh, Ooh, which one? Which one? The first one. Okay, that's, that's that one's really good. I that's one of my favorite PC games. Yeah, I got Saints Row Four and then the Get Out of Hell, but like that was just like oh, it was cheap and like I was a fan of Saints Row Two, so I was like whatever, I'll give it a try. And then, uh, what was the other one that I got? I haven't bought any games on Steam yet, but I if you if you're reaching, you can technically count this, I guess. Um, yesterday I did buy a Steam link on Amazon because it was 15 bucks, and it was coincidentally the same day that the Steam sale started, which I don't think was a coincidence. I think they did that on purpose, but that was just cheap enough where I was like, "Damn, this is an instant buy for me." So that will go in the living room. I, the only disappointment is, um, from what I know, it caps out at 1080p, um, but I I got a Steam link. Yeah, I, I want to get a Steam Link, but the thing is, I know my wireless isn't that good, and where I am, like, running a wire all the way through the TV is kind of infeasible at the moment. The, so yeah, I have, the have to wait till I move. The only devices I have that are wireless are devices where it just wouldn't make sense to wire them in. Like, my Chromecast, my phone, my tablet. Yeah. Aside from that, everything's wired. I'm, I'm a hardline person. Yeah. I, I I used to be, and then I moved. <laughs> I, I understand. Even dude, I've moved several times, and I'm still a hardline person. Yeah, I'm actually more that. No, it actually went the opposite to me. My parents used to, because like at, at our house, it was harder to do all that stuff, and I couldn't really convince my parents to like run a cable everywhere. So my parents were like, "Oh no, wireless is better because you don't need wires." I'm like, "Guys, that's not no, that's not how it works." No. It's it's good for some things, not for like gaming and like streaming. Makes sense for my phone, for example, but yeah, not for gaming, like you said. Yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, other, otherwise, from the Steam sales, um, I haven't found too much that I like wanted. I gotcha. Yeah, another question we're having here. I'm not sure how how well versed you are on this. I'm sort of there um but what are your thoughts on the wii u homebrew scene um no clue okay uh like i know i know that the wii u got its like bootloader owned i'm pretty sure i think but i don't i haven't heard anything really too impressive come out 
Or really, so like, yeah, you, you haven't been impressed with like the Emunand or um, Cold Min. Oh, was Cold Boot Minion hacks or something like that? There's, I there's... haven't been keeping keeping up with it. I pretty much uh, read the technical documentation, but uh, like for the developers and like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I don't really pay that much attention to Wii U releases, also another console I don't own. Gotcha. <laughs> see the um, I so the Wii U, I guess from what I see as as an outsider who kind of has my foot in the door there, um, in terms of like I've I've modded up my Wii U and such, um, it's still kind of clunky, but it's about on par with where the 3DS was about a year ago. Where what we can do at this point, like a full like Wii U setup, if you're wanting that, you would either have custom firmware apply on boots like to like you can either load it up yourself or you can have it on something called red nand where you pretty much make a complete copy of your nand onto your sd card and then you have to run a exploit game like preferably a ds game and you can boot into either homebrew menu and then boot into your custom firmware or you can boot into your custom firmware directly uh, the most advanced thing you can do from what I've seen is like cold boot menu hacks where once you set it up, you can just turn on the Wii U and once it turns on, it will boot into the custom firmware version of your NAND, whether that's the SysNAND or the uh, uh, Red NAND version. Uh, the thing is, though, it's not as nice as 3DS where, you know, it's not as fast, it's not as snappy. It's um, The support's there for sure. The development, I'm not sure how well that is there. Um I think the main thing is, too, there hasn't been as much interest in the Wii U itself. While as in the 3DS, there's just logically more 3DSs out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. No, let's see. It, it, someone was asking here, uh, I know you just modded a PS1, but are you going to do a Arduino PS1? It just looks so interesting. That is the PS knee. I... I can't get the code to compile, all right? I can't get the code to compile. I've actually recruited Devin's help, and he's, in his spare time, he's been looking at it. At one point, he just sees, like, come over and help me out here. But I, once I get it to compile, I'll figure out how to flash it here. Like, I got the flasher, I got the chip and everything, and I have a spare stock PS1 that I've been trying my hardest to not, to, to not mod because I want to install this thing in there. But, yes, I have looked into it. I've tried it. I'm just I'm not the best with code, really. That's why I'm not a coder. I hope that answers the question. Let's see. Now you can go ahead and grab something here. I'm trying to see if we missed any potential questions. Um, I guess on Dream Pie, have you looked into that or heard of it at all? No. Okay. Uh, Dream Pie, in short, like we so. We talked about, uh, like Daniel and I, we had talked about uh, the Sega, no, the Netlink service to bring the Sega Saturn back online in 2017. Um, Dream Pie is, it, it kind of did the same thing there. Um, that was actually the original. And then somebody just said, hey, let's take Dream Pie and move it over to the Saturn. And oh, it works. Um, but no, I, I've looked into Dream Pie a little bit myself. Um, it's essentially a way where you could take a Raspberry Pi like this thing right here and then end up configuring it to work as a modem, in a sense, I guess you can say, and get your Dreamcast online. It seems cool if you're wanting to do that. I think the, the coolest thing I've seen is that there is actually, um, you can actually spin up DLC servers on there as well, too. Um, have you heard of that at all? Uh, I I remember hearing something about it, but I haven't been following it at all. 
So there was one guy, and there was a game that it wasn't all that good, and I, I'd never even heard of it, but there was a game that came out near the end of the Dreamcast lifecycle, and it actually had DLC, but it had disc-locked content. So you had to download the DLC and put it on your VMU, but all the content was there on the disc. And they only released one DLC pack out of like the five or six they were going to release, I believe, and then the server shut down. So... Because of that, we've had all this DLC that's just been locked away for ages. But somebody was able to end up reversing, like they were able to reverse the game, create patches to unlock that DLC, and then they were able to spin up a website. And you can visit that website using the Dream Pie and download DLC and unlock it. It's all cosmetic stuff, but it's still cool that we can do that. Yeah, what, like 15 cool. years later. Yeah, that's really cool. Kudos who 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 worked on that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll need to pull it up on here and give them a shout out on this. Let me let me see. Uh, Dreamcast DLC released, maybe would that be it? Yeah, there we go. Actually, it happened in March of this year, and it was a uh, Floygen Bros. That was it. That was it. I'll actually I'll go ahead and share it right here, just so this person it's from Polygon. That's it. But just so they can get a proper shout out on this. Yeah, no, this is it. All 12 months of the Floygan Bros add-ons are... Oh, so it was supposed to initially release over a year. So it was... Yeah, the console was discontinued in March 2000. When did this game come out? I don't exactly remember on here. But Dreamcast Live apparently has all the details. Yeah, no, this is neat so far. So you could either... You could do it on your PC or you could do it directly on your Dreamcast right there. If we go to our Dreamcast... Oh, that just brings up a VMI file. So you could either... If you don't want to do it that way you could still just copy it over from your PC to your Dreamcast itself. But it's still cool that, again, you could at least go to a website that's been spun up and get all this on there. So, okay, so it was a lot more than I was thinking. As you can see, it's all just aesthetic type stuff, but it's 12 months of content that we did not have before. Yeah. You know, I, I love seeing stuff like that. I really do. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Let me see what's on here as well, too. I think one of the last things I'm seeing is um, apparently there's been updated code for PS Need. The only update I've seen, at least, is the version 6 of PS Need. That's been about it. That's what I've been working with. I've tried version 1 version 6. Um, Ashley, uh, Kiwi, have you looked into or have you heard of PS Need at all? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. It is, in short, a, um, you, so normally you have to, I have this stuff here, actually. Let me find it real quick. Or, oh, it's a, uh, it's a mod chip for the PS1. Exactly. So normally, mod chips, let me bring them up right here. Like, old mod chips on the PS1, or I guess uh, they were still new, at least, of some kind. But point is, if you want to mod your PS1, you had to put it on a little pick chip, which is something like this. I'm going to try and struggle to take it out of here so I could show you all what these look like and how small they are, if I'm able to elaborate on this. Eh, let me open this up. But in short, what you normally had to do to install a mod chip, whether it was stealth or not, was you had to take one of these pick chips and burn it with a hex file and then end up soldering that into the PlayStation at specific points. Um, and these things, I mean, they're, they're still reliable, they still work, but it's just, in, even in 2016, 2017, it's kind of tedious getting this, I, I say 2016 because this is when I started looking into it, but they're still kind of tedious to set up. I don't know how well you can see that, but that's how small these chips are. 
like smaller than my fingernail, but they're not as supported now as easily. Um, just pick programming in general. Um, Arduino is kind of like that new hot thing that people are really tackling, kind of like Raspberry Pi, for example. But you can get some Arduino chips that look like this, or you can get one that looks kind of like this. You can get them pretty cheap now. And the idea is, hey, let's take the code and let's end up creating, I don't even think it was ported. They just created new code that some guy ended up making an open source, brand new stealth based mod chip that you could install on Arduino. So you could just flash it over and then install it into the system. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's neat. I, I love seeing stuff like that live on because even so it's been, the code's been imported onto several different picks. But this is like the first time I've actually seen it on a completely different platform, so to speak, which is pretty nice. I guess there's actually, if you look there, there's there's one comment that just popped up for you. Uh, let's see. What have you done on the Halo Online mod scene? I've actually recently uh, left the Halo Online uh, modding scene. Man, you're just leaving everything. What is this? <laughs> Life gets in the way, man. I um, guess so. I, I pretty much now I'm just down to like frostbite stuff, uh, and my PlayStation Four work. That's pretty much it at the moment. Uh, for like modding, I I got work and school and everything. I gotcha. Can you elaborate on what you're doing on PS4 at all, or anything that you've kind of I worked mean, on with that? I I I currently have three of them here. Um, okay. I okay. have a 176 for like the public exploit. I've recently done uh, up to 4.x, uh, like 4.0. Uh, what is this? 4. I have it written on the side of it, but I can't see it right now. Um, firmware PS4 and gotten kernel exploit on that. And my third one, which is actually in the shop right now. Uh, I'm going to be updating that to the latest firmware and see if I can get a kernel exploit and find one on that. I gotcha. So I know that's 4.70 is the latest firmware, I believe. It sounds about right. Yeah, 471, I think they... Oh, uh, what? There's a, there's a new one that just came out? Yeah, probably like a day or so ago. Okay. I haven't been on my PS4s in the past few days, so... Um, Actually, on that, because I know you had worked on some stuff there, but also I know people are just, they, they keep bugging um, QWERTY um, for exploits and such. Leave but alone. <laughs> I know. Alone. Yeah. Right now, so from what I understand, because he, he's never said, okay, let's just get this out of the way. He has never, ever said he's going to release the exploit. But if he is to release one, he's more wanting to make sure it's completely patched on the latest firmware. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because from what I understand now, he was able to have up to 4.55 exploited, but then 4.7 came out, and he said that the kernel exploit is still there, but he has no entry to it. Yeah, so the way that I'm guessing um, how QWERTY's exploit is, he has the bugs... Um, and before you chained it all together, and then Sony patched it. Um, so now he's probably got some access to it. He probably still has like a WebKit and a user land mode, and maybe even like he's been able to get into kernel land again, but he can't turn it into like code execution as of yet. 
Uh, I don't really know. I haven't talked to him. I would love to talk to him. But right now, it stands in the air that he did not release his exploit, which means that there's still some use to it, and it probably still works even on Sony's latest 4.71. That's why it's been kind of quiet. But at the same time, he does this out of his own fun and time and stuff like that. Uh, so we might hear some more news from it, and we might not. We We won't know. On that as well, too, he's... So I just know him really from... I know he was big on iOS and still is, and he, uh, he's he been doing the PS4 stuff recently. Um, historically, what has he released? Uh, For PS4? Just or anything in general, general like j- even Jailbreak community stuff. Uh, I don't follow iOS, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. But I, 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 know, I, I know somebody who watched him write an iOS jailbreak in person, and he was like a, 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 a freak of nature with reverse engineering and hacking like security. So um, I don't really know what he's all released, uh, but I know that he definitely knows his work and he pretty much uh, is really good at what he does. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he's done a pro- he's released, at least on PS4, from what I know, he's released a um, a proof of concept where you could like test the exploit on a web page, but nothing's really gone beyond that. Because again, he's he's never. I don't think he's really explicitly said that he's going to release anything or not. But he has pretty. He, he's essentially said in a way. I don't know if it was explicit or not, but he's essentially said you know he wants his exploit, whatever he's using, to be fully patched on the latest firmware before anything yeah. comes out. Yeah, and another thing I'm going to like reiterate is, let's say he releases the exploit tomorrow. Um, it's a kernel exploit. That's all well and good. 99.8% of people will not be able to do anything with that. Like, You can see 1.76 has kernel exploit has been public for quite a while, and the 3.55 one, more and more people are starting to get it themselves but there's been no real tools to come out. Like, there's, like, a couple of mod menus, and, like, that's about it. So it's, like, even if he were to release a kernel exploit, it wouldn't be of any use to the majority of people. Because mm-hmm. even so, I remember uh, when the PS4 was first announced to be jailbroken, um, I'd made a video on it, and I kind of said, like, by definition, PS4 is jailbroken. Don't expect anything for a while. Even right now, at this point, unless you're really a developer, you're someone like me who just wants to mess around with it a bit. Um, it's really not worth having 1.76 PS4. Like I like messing with it. I like kind of you know the user land stuff I can do. I like making videos on it. Um, but it's not nearly as robust as like a jailbroken PS3 or an exploited Xbox 360, which is what people are expecting. Yeah, um, there's. Even with it being jailbroken, it's not going to lead to homebrew. It's not going to lead to anything without the proper people in place uh, to make it happen. So the people who can make like a homebrew launcher and, and custom firmware and stuff happen, they are probably already working on it, and they probably already are either on 1.76 and doing it or on a higher firmware already. I mean, the logic is you probably want to do it on 1.76 where you have the whole kernel access and then figure out on how to port it to other firmwares, right? 
Yeah. Um, once you have like a code base working, um, especially once you go into the PlayStation 4 firmwares that have ASLR on the kernel and every module, once you get past that initial... Can you on ASLR, by the way? I haven't heard of that. Um, it stands for address location. Hold on. I'll give you the actual uh, address space layout randomization. So when you launch a program or whatever on a computer that has ASLR, it'll load at different memory addresses every single time. So in the event that you do exploit something, you can't just jump to the same location. It, it cuts down on um, on like exploits and stuff a little bit. There's ways to get around it, but that's a whole another topic for a different uh for a different time so in the case of 1.76 the kernel is loaded at the exact same address every single time so when you need to make let's say like patches or things like that um to the kernel you just hard code the address and you're good to go um and the newer firmwares that address always moves around so you have to be able to figure out how to calculate uh calculate it Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I actually didn't really know anything about that, so thanks for elaborating. Do you know what firmware they ended up uh, implementing that into? 2.0? Don't okay. quote me on that, but I it was it was shortly after 1.76, I know that. that I think, I think 1.76 like, was the last one of like the 1 dot something series. Okay, then, yeah, in that case, it was probably 2.0 or whatever came out after that probably enabled it. Not a hundred percent sure because I don't have a, uh, I don't have a fourth console to try it with. <laughs> I understand. Well, you know the the solution to that is to get a fourth console. Yeah, I, I gotta wait till I move and uh, <laughs> get set up again because right now I can only have one out of my three hooked up at once, and the other two are in the box. I understand. I understand. All right. Well, I guess on that, I think we're kind of good on this. You. Uh, you think you're good for this episode? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't think there's too much, too much more we can cover. All right. All right. So, Kiwi, I guess. Uh, where can we find you after this? If anybody wants to uh, follow your adventures further, aside from mod chat. Uh, in the description below, there is my Twitter account, and then that's pretty much the fastest way to get in contact with me. Okay, cool. So follow him on Twitter if you want to show him some support. Talk with him, all that stuff. We have we have good talks on there. Mm -hmm. Definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Okay, mod shop. That you don't have to do that. He gave me another donation, but thank you so much. I really damn damn. <laughs> Showing some love here for real. After all, all, all the stuff, all the stuff he's done for you. By the way, and for anybody wondering who's watching like now and about. A week and a half or a couple weeks there's going to be some cool stuff that mod shop has helped me uh get in line everything that i'll be able to unleash upon you all so look out for that i guess last question here i think this is kind of just general but how about jailbreak for ios like you you don't follow ios stuff do you no not too I, much very disappointing uh, answer but i i'll tell you i have a iphone 6s that is fully stock fully updated and i i use it for calls and emails that's it <laughs> Yeah, and I, I see somebody said he cries that there's no jailbreak for 935. I cry too because my iPad 2 is on like iOS 
six or seven. Um, and I wanted to upgrade it, but they stopped signing uh, 934, and the only last one is 935. So I'm like, uh, I'm Dude, the last time I was really heavy into jailbreaking, this was like just right after they put those signs uh, signing on there, because prior to that, you could downgrade to any firmware. Yeah, yeah, and, and as long as you saved uh, the like data for your for your phone, you could like go back and forth. But then they got rid of it. Mm -hmm. I think like the SHSH blobs. That's what they called. Yeah. Anyways, thank you all for listening and watching Mod Chat. If you're at all interested in any more Mod Chat, you can check down below in the description if you're watching on YouTube here um, or listening. Thank you very much. You can listen to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and you can watch us here on YouTube as well. There's also a playlist with all the other episodes that we have available, and we do this every month. So next month we'll uh, be having another episode, of course, episode 30. That'll be, that'll be a good milestone on there. But uh, anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching, everyone. Thank you all for showing your support. For Mod Shop, thank you for the donations. You really didn't have to do that, but very much appreciated. And uh, aside from that, we'll see you all next month.